0: the stakes are big you know we we play in 20 30 million 50 million dollar decisions every day
1: broadcasting live sports is a big money enterprise
0: 200 million a year over the five years you're playing with the future of your business or not
1: patrick delaney just spent a billion dollars and he thinks he can make that back and then some Meanwhile, Michael Abed has a vision for how people across the country can get the content they want.
2: 5.3 million Australians have got a registration with SBS On Demand. At any given month, we would have about 1.5 million active users. No matter what language they wanted it. 75% of all our dramas are in languages other than English, uh, so it really picks up on that multicultural focus that we We do.
1: Elstra Vantage, bringing the magic of technology, insight, inspiration, and innovation. Behind the mic with Adam Spencer. The television industry is in a certain sort of chaos right now. The number of platforms you can watch content on has exploded. OTT, that's over the top, and DTC, that's direct to consumer, are growing rapidly in terms of audience share and profitability. So, what do you do if you're a giant in the industry? A massive entity like Foxtel or SBS that's built its reputation and revenue streams on the old broadcast model. Well, today we're going to find out what the future holds for these iconic broadcasters by talking to the people that have guided them over the past decade or so. Patrick Delaney and Michael Abid are my guests today at Telstra Vantage, and there's lots to go through. So let's jump on in.
0: The last seven years, of course, running Fox Sports, the... The mixture of being able to completely change the game and disrupt everyone, which we clearly have done over the last seven years, uh, by focusing not just on slick graphics and shows and things, but that emotional connection that Gil talked about. I think, um, I think that has, uh, that has been a real joy because you're making people happy, you know.
1: Patrick Delaney is the CEO of Foxtel. He's the man at the helm of this country's largest pay TV operator. His job is to see changes coming in the market, sometimes years in advance, and make big bets on them. But at his core, he's just another viewer.
0: When I was a really big kid, it was Batman. Oh. <laughs> love Batman, in fact. Pow. In fact, it's more, more than Batman. Anything with that fantasy sort of um, sitcom situation, you know, I Dream of Genie Gilligan's Island, all that stuff where you where, where it was just clever scripts and maybe a bit of high camp. I don't know, as a
1: kid, that was, that was what I really thrived on. I loved it. But you would have still grown up in a situation where there were four channels to pick. Could you remember the crazy time when that fifth new weird one, SBS, came yeah. along? You would have grown yeah. up in a very traditional broadcasting model.
0: Yeah, very much so. And uh, it, it is, it, you know, you cast my mind back to that now. Um we we live in Sydney our family and and I remember Sunday nights you know Rex Mossop's big league mm-hmm. and you think back to that now that was like highlights really of the game and not live and now what we're doing with 30,000 live hours it's things have changed so dramatically <laughs>
1: Media companies all over the world look into live sports as a way to combat the on-demand nature of entertainment. People are increasingly less willing to watch shows on the network schedule. They want the content available when they want it. Live sports is really the only thing left that is appointment viewing.
0: You know, the the grand final is viewed by the whole of Australia, very big numbers, and probably half of those people are people that watch home and away sport every week, week in, week out. That's our bread and butter. So your
1: recent deals, cricket, was it 160-odd a year, yep. million a year for yep. six years, AFL, a billion dollar in total, plus with add-ons. But you're talking about these challenges that are essentially free for people to indulge in is this the last era of deals of that size might we look back in 10 15 years and 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 you know longingly at the idea of a billion dollar rights deal
0: it just depends who's going to bid i don't know who will come out of the woodwork to bid for these rights in the next couple of years if no one does yes it's the end of that era right um if someone like YouTube decides that its business model needs sports rights or needs movies, then the
1: prices could go up if they're able to, I mean, if we can afford it. Because in the States, so, Facebook have started bidding on some baseball access and yeah, things sure. like that in the US, haven't they? Yeah, sure. The
0: big issue is, do these organisations need or want those traditional rights? You know um, Netflix to date has has said it absolutely doesn't want to go anywhere near sports rights, and why would you if you can spend a billion dollars you know on making uh, I don't know how many dramas could you make for a billion dollars and the shelf life's ten years possibly intergenerational I mean my, my daughters say say uh, are watching some things on Netflix that Foxtel had ten years ago uh, that have been something like Gossip Girl so the big question is whether they really do want to get into those rights. Um, and there are other during, – during my working career, there have been a number of companies that have got into the rights, not really for the sports or broadcasting part of it. They've got into it to give it away as a gift with purchase. So we've seen telcos do that. We've seen Amazon start Amazon Prime. So, you know, it's hard at them at this stage to say what will happen. There could be, uh, it could be staggering deflation in some of these rights – Uh, because these new entrants are seeing actually better ways to entertain people uh, and to use their media. Uh, Or they may say, actually, we want to get into it and we don't care how much we pay. Who knows?
1: For people who aren't familiar, what what is Foxtel Now?
0: Foxtel Now is a a skinny version of Foxtel that's delivered only over IP. So it has a different entry point. Um, But basically all the same channels and all the on-demand content uh, a library, But it's not delivered by a satellite and you don't have an IQ. So it is an app. Uh, you can't watch free-to-air on it. You can't record anything on it. Um, you can't see pay-per-view movies. Uh, if you want to augment it, we have the, the Foxtel Puck um, that makes it a little bit more like Foxtel, but but it's not the same gold standard
1: that an IQ is. You're big on this 4D thing. 4K. 4K thing that's coming. I'm very big on it. Why? differentiation firstly right uh, it's
0: something the internet cannot do okay you see 4k movies um, being made available by some of the pro- uh, some of the providers there's no doubt they're 4k at the server but your internet speed and capacity will determine what you get right because the because the internet will manage the packets and everything else and you will never get 4k sport. Right, not over the internet. So for us, um, this is a great big a differentiator. We're doing it with a fat pipe, uh, with satellite. We're do- putting no compression on this thing. You know, we could put 20 channels on one transponder, normal channels in SD. This 4K channel we're doing is one transponder. It is fat. And Adam, let me tell you, it is beautiful, you know. <laughs> You're and, geeking out on this. I am. I am because as a professional, having seen pictures, you know, my whole life, 22 years I've been in the business, um, and I've seen the way HD took off for Foxtel, this is just a, the most beautiful picture. You can walk right up to a 75-inch 4K telly with our satellite signal and you right up to your nose, right, you will not see a pixel. You'll see this fluid picture. And, and, in, and in sports, and movies, and documentaries, and rock concerts, because because with the extra bandwidth, the sound is, is great. I'm very optimistic about it, and um, it's expensive to do. You know, like really expensive. There's only a certain number of 4K channels, so that, that we can do, for example, all of the cricket in 4K until we get to the Big Bash, which is home and away, because all the all the cameras are in one spot, right, for a test. Then it's like you got to pick your game. But but there will be we will end up getting more cameras and we can do more of it.
1: The reason the reason I mistakenly said four D I was thinking because three d
0: three D not so much that was a stunt. Three D yeah. TV
1: was the thing. Yeah, there's no there's there's no hype about four K that's not going to deliver.
0: Look, you know, usually the US drives these things, but they don't have a reason to do it. Cable uh, is, you know, still pretty heavily penetrated. We've got a reason. You know, and in Europe, the cable guys have got a reason. They want to differentiate against the net and they want to um, take the fight up to broadcasters. So, and the other thing's this, that with 3D, it was like you have to get a special 3D TV. There wasn't actually a trend in TVs. The trend at the moment's massively big. You know, in the last two years, 1 million 4K, 55-inch and over, 1 million, right, have been sold. And they say in the next 12 months, 80% of the TVs sold in Australia will be 4K ready and 55-inch. We love our television and we love big pictures and the bigger the screen,
1: the more you're stretching that picture. Australia's a small market when you think in global terms. That means domestic broadcasters like Foxtel are competing against international players with much deeper pockets. So, in this remarkably competitive, you know, disruption's the cliche, but it's true disruptive times, who, who are your direct competitors? 9, 10, 7, or Amazon Stan, or just. Everyone or everyone. different competitors on different fronts. Adam,
0: everyone. I, I would have said five years ago our focus was very much on free to air. It's not now. I think um, I think the economics of um, of what we do uh, and the money we're able to pay. Um, if you if you look at that and and cast it together with the way in which tastes of change means that free-to-air TV probably is in a, in a, isn't in a position to pay as much for sports rights and probably don't want to because the public are, are watching other things. But, you know, you mentioned Amazon, Facebook, um, Telstra, everyone is a competitor. And I'd put a third category and that is these days there are so many choices you know, for our entertainment time, uh, you know, I'd put Fortnite, you know, as a competitor to live sport and to movies and everything else. We just have more choices. And those things are weighing in on the amount of time people will watch TV for. Now, ironically, it also means, I think, that people are willing to pay, right, for a better standard of what they want to watch, when they want to watch uh, when they have that time, when they want to allocate it, and that has probably meant, you know, our our sports uh, offering is is booming at the moment for that reason, uh, and that's what we want to do with the other genres.
1: Where's YouTube at in all of this at the moment? Does it have the potential to emerge as a broadcast rival over the next few years? Absolutely, sure.
0: Just look—you got to look at what your kid's doing, you know. Um, When I started in the cable business in 1995, Nickelodeon, Disney, uh, MTV, they were massively important. They're big brands but massively important because of pester power. It's gone. Those brands are safe brands but they're not the pester power because all of our kids are watching YouTube. I, mean, I have two daughters and, you know, I say to them, what are you watching at breakfast? They're watching some woman in America put makeup on and <laughs> they seem to love it, you know. And, and my son is playing Fortnite all the time. Their TV consumption isn't what mine was. They still watch TV. Um, maybe that's because they come from a, you know, a TV background family, but, but definitely um, YouTube is, is something to watch big time because uh, the reach is so big. It's getting kids in when they're young and and that is a
1: formative habit. What role will 5G play in empowering and entertaining customers in a hyper-competitive business landscape?
0: I'm enthusiastic about 5G. The more I learn about 5G um, and I just heard Brendan say that they intend to use 5G for a broadcast environment. So that's very, very interesting uh, in the entertainment area. Um, I think more bandwidth's better, right? The more you can use it and the more mobile you are, uh, it could open up all sorts of
1: things. Thank you so much for being a guest on Telstra Vantage behind the mic, Patrick Delaney. Thanks, Adam. It seems the winners in all this will be the sports leagues. The more distributors there are in the marketplace, the more the leagues can raise their asking price for their rights. After all, they control the content. That $1 billion price tag for cricket might be just the beginning. Public broadcasting is a bit of a Rashark test. It's an inkblock picture where everyone will see something different. But whether you see it as a critical piece of our national culture or whether you see it as a wasteful excess, you can't ignore its impact on the rest of the industry. We started
2: out on a journey, uh, you know, some seven years ago uh, to really transform SBS, and we did transform just about every single part of it. Fifty
1: years ago, Michael Abid was a young boy, just arrived from Egypt... Growing up in Sydney, Australia.
2: Oh, look, I remember, you know, when I was particularly coming home from school, um, you know, I used to love things like Lost in Space mm. and, you know, Batman and um, the Brady Bunch, stuff like that. Um, and I'll admit it, I didn't even mind a bit of I Dream of Jeannie, you know, all that oh. sort of... Who <laughs> <Very good. laughs> One thing that I remember really clearly, clearly I've got um, brown skin and I remember as a kid always thinking, how come no one on TV looks like me? And it was funny, sometimes I used to think that I was white because I felt Australian, I was Australian. It wasn't until I looked in the mirror that I realised I wasn't like what was being represented on, you know, um, mass media, on the screens. And I think I learnt really early on the importance of how um, television and, and mass media like a television can really make a difference to somebody in terms of feeling included in society or not. Mm-hmm. I think it makes a big difference when you see yourself reflected on the
1: screen um, and I, I think I really learned that at an early age. For seven years, Michael Abid was the CEO of SBS. He's got the finances in order and launched a series of new initiatives aimed at keeping the broadcaster relevant in the current media environment. Look,
2: I have to say I am a big believer in public broadcasting and I think it's incredibly important for really that I think the health of the democracy. Yes, there's a, a load of choice, but particularly when it comes to things like news and current affairs, what we're seeing um, increasingly in Australia and a lot overseas, particularly in the US, is this political divide of of opinions, particularly on, on, you know, the the whole left-right debate. And I strongly believe that Australia, the majority of Australians are not far left and they're not far right, that the average Australian is pretty progressive in the middle. Um, And so what I worry about... Uh, is a future where our media, um, uh, you know, is dividing our thought process in that way. Whereas I think what I love about public broadcasting is it will give you a huge variety of views and perspectives um, for you to then think about, form your own opinions, form your own uh, conclusions on issues, whether it be climate change, energy, marriage equality, whatever the debate of the day is, uh, to give you uh, an impartial view, uh, a truly impartial view, and that's, I think, the key.
1: We've seen some overseas developments where commercial funding and government and private funding and showing commercials mm. and all that have sort of melded together in some mm. arms of public mm. broadcasters. Mm. Do you see Australia evolving that way as well? There's there is in some terms pressure, of commercials? Yeah, and, yeah. There is some pressure to go in those directions at time to time. Look, I, what I often say to
2: people is the majority of Australians don't realise that the average public broadcaster, or I should actually say the majority, of public broadcasters around the world actually do take ads and they are either partly commercially funded or fully. So there's a lot of public broadcasters that are 100% commercially funded. Um, And the BBC and the ABC model is actually a rare exception in the globe. Um, Now, I find with SBS um, our ability to generate our own income is incredibly important at times when government is, you know, constantly having fiscal pressures and whether it be ideological issues or not, but, you know, funding cuts are are always around the corner. Um, So having that ability to look after yourself is incredibly important. I think it also helps internally keep us in the real world a little bit and having to sing for our supper, if you like, in terms of earning, having clients, um, being able to, you know, um, look after our clients from an ad perspective. So I actually liked it in terms of it being a nice balance between being fully
1: government funded and fully commercial Sports broadcasting is so important in the modern environment for commercial broadcasters. Some people say public broadcasters should just not compete for sporting events and let the commercials have it because it's the only way they can fund themselves. Should public broadcasters be allowed to lob in? They do a great job when they get those events. Some people say they shouldn't have access to them. Um, I, what I would say to that is, by and large,
2: public broadcasters don't compete. With major sporting rights. So if you look at, say, um, some of the sports that we do on SBS, the World Cup, right, the the FIFA uh, Football World Cup, we've been doing that for 32 years. When we started with the World Cup, no commercial network was interested in it. Oh. And Australians were missing out on seeing one of the biggest sporting events. Actually, it is the biggest sporting event of the world. Now, we've built that up. Um, over the years. And it's now, be, you know, Australians are, are really engaged with the World Cup. We, we have over 10 million audiences that watch it once every four years. Tour to France, same sort of thing. Nobody was terribly interested in that. So we tend to pick up sports, grow them, develop them. Uh, and that's what we've been doing. The other thing is we're not able to really compete financially for sports rights because we've, we're have we limited under our legislation of having five minutes an hour of ads. Hmm. So when you compare that, say, to a, a Channel 7 or 9 that might have 14 minutes an hour, they're able to get a lot more money for every hour of television. So when you go head-to-head with anybody on any sort of content... You're starting a long way back. You can't compete. You, you know, we, we just walk away. So if we know one of the other networks is interested, we, we just don't compete.
1: One of the major parts of your leadership at SBS was the launching of... Over the top platform for people mm-hmm. listening. What does what does that mean? An OTT for it's, a start.
2: So so over the top is is. Simply content that's going uh, across the internet, um, across over the top of the internet. So, SBS on demand, on, SBS on demand, ABC, IView, that sort of thing. Uh, Netflix, Stan—they're all over-the-top services. What we've done with SBS on demand is built it up as a a really rich library of content. Uh, it's got about six thousand hours of content. Seventy-five percent of all our dramas are in languages other than English, uh, so it really picks up on that multicultural focus that we, You've we do. You've got the
1: handmaid's tail to drag people in through the door? That's exactly right.
2: That's part of the strategy um, of having diverse content. Content that you just wouldn't see on one of the major 7 out of 10 networks. So um, what we're about with SBS On Demand is just providing a point of difference for Australian viewers. And I think that's part of the secret of the success is in a world where everything is so homogenous, um, SBS stands out and gives people an option.
1: Do you see a time in the future when over the top will exceed over the air, especially with something like the five G network mm. come along, what role will it play in the evolution, and will OTT exceed OTA?
2: Yeah, well, two things there. So, firstly, the the five G network will obviously help in terms of speed and latency and broadband. Um, that will help in terms of delivering content over the top. But right now, um, most of, you know, Netflix and SBS On Demand and other services do pretty well on the broadband that we have in Australia, but it will only accelerate that growth of people watching. There's no doubting that we're moving to a world where personalization of content watching on devices uh, is where the future is going. So to answer your second part of your question around, you know, will that ever overtake? I think it depends depends on the genre. So it's not a straight answer. So for us, um, some of our dramas and our movies, we now actually get more people watching on SBS On Demand than when we tell them to watch it at an 8.30 or mm-hmm. a 9.30 on a Friday night, which is fantastic, right? We're getting far more engagement than we ever did because you might be out on a Friday and if you haven't recorded, et cetera, et cetera. So now people have got access to all that content, when it suits them. So then if you look at news and current affairs, again, increasingly, you know, Australians are getting their news and current affairs on their, you know, Facebook feeds, Twitter feeds, or they're going straight to our apps, you know, it might be the ABC app or the SBS News app. And so what we're seeing is there are some days where uh, there'll be more people going to our digital news sites than watching the 6.30 evening news bulletin. But when there's a big news story, they'll get a taste of it on their way home, on a bus or train, on their mobile phone, and then what we see is a spike in our evening news bulletin. But there's no doubting that over the last five years we have seen evening news bulletins right across every network drop.
1: Television, whether you get it through cable or on the internet or free over the air is part of our culture. It reflects who we are back to ourselves and it teaches others about us. The challenge in this new era is figuring out who's going to pay for it. Let's say a young Egyptian kid arrives in Australia next year. What sort of life are they going to grow up on consuming television, consuming media? It's going to be very different to the world you walked into. Absolutely, because I think... um what people will have and they have it
2: now but you know just fast forward a couple of years it'll be a world of far more personalization and where the audience is in control so you know i often say to our you know tv programmers at sbs you know i'd hate to tell you this but you're not the boss anymore you can't tell people what to watch when to watch it etc audiences are now in control of what content they watch when they watch it on what device etc um and so i think you know the, the you look at say um, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. My, my, um, 25 year old nephew moved into his first apartment recently and we were moving him in with his furniture and I, and he was setting up the lounge in a corner of the room. And I said, no, 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 you got to have it over here because the TV antenna is over here. And he said, Mike, I don't use a TV antenna.
1: <laughs> he didn't, he
2: didn't need it at all. He goes, I do, I stream everything. And I said, are you kidding me? You don't want to plug your TV into the antenna? He said, why do I need to? You know, so that, I think, tells you a lot. And he's 25. So, um, you know, I think the next generation will be streaming everything. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much for your time on Telstra Vantage Behind the Mic, Michael. My pleasure. Thanks, Adam. Well, there's a lot to digest there, but for me, the biggest takeaway is this. You'll always be able to watch anything and everything you want, from obscure sporting events to unique cultural programs. It will all be available, but it won't be free, and you'll have to subscribe to multiple services on multiple platforms if you want to access it all. So thanks to Patrick Delaney, Michael Abid, and all the guests on our series. I'm Adam Spencer, and this has been Telstra Vantage Behind the Mic. You can subscribe to this podcast series on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. When you do, you'll be the first to get other episodes in this series, including the soon to be released Women in Tech. We also need to be thinking about what is systematic in some of the job advertisements, in the conversations that we're having around you're taking risk in this, that might actually be disadvantaging some of the people that are trying to apply for those roles. It's a practical look at how to increase profits by accessing a larger talent pool. So be sure to check that out and all the other great content by subscribing to Telstra Vantage Behind the Mic.